0: Well, Chandler, Arizona is in the Guinness World Book of Records. Why? It has the world's largest tumbleweed Christmas tree. There's a little plaque from the Guinness World Book of Records. We went and saw it the other day, and uh, you should know that from Chandler, Arizona. And we're excited about tonight. We see all these boxes up here. A lot of those boxes are from Mary and I, from our move. Um, I'm looking, a couple of them still have those little moving stickers on, so I'll have to go remove those. uh, But reminded of unpacking, and one of the first boxes we unpacked, we found our daughter's Social Security card. Somehow, our granddaughter had gone through her purse, taken out the card and then threw it into a um, drawer and then when they came and packed everything, it got loaded together. And so that was one of the first boxes we unpacked and we panicked and thought, what else are we gonna find? So we went through every single box and this is packing paper. And if you've moved, you know what they do with packing paper, they just roll it up. It would be easy to just get it and throw. Well, we were worried so we unpacked every single piece of paper and unfolded every single piece of paper and flattened it out. I am sick of packing paper. We had stacks of packing paper. And I didn't notice, when you go. To, we went to the local recycling, they have a place for cardboard, and then they have a separate place just for packing paper. Well, it reminded me of a science experiment, and it is um, something you guys are probably not going to believe. My wife hates this illustration, just to tell you that, and people in the first service debated me after the service, but that's because they were doing the math incorrectly. (laughs) So, we would fold the paper up after. Paper, this paper, most paper is 1 64th of an inch thick. So when you fold it, now, most people will say that the maximum number of times you can fold a piece of paper is seven. Um, Someone in 2011 unrolled a roll of toilet paper and was able to fold it um, 11 times or so they say. I haven't seen the video to verify but seven times. So if this is 1 of an inch thick and I fold it in half, it is one thirty-second, one 1 16th, 1 8th, 1 4th, and then 1 inch, right? And then if you can, you would get two. Okay, if I could fold this 43 more times. Okay, now there's a the problem. It's called the uh, suspension of disbelief. It's something that you have to do in order to get rid of logic just for having some fun sake. If you could fold this 43 more times so it would have been folded. This is where they got wrong in the first verse. If they could fold it 50 times, how thick would it be? How thick would it be? Just guess, how thick would it be? It would go from the Earth to the Sun and part way back. It would be 138 million miles thick. And you guys are saying exactly that? No way, right? So pull out your smartphones and do it. There's 12 inches in a foot, there's 500 and 5,280 feet in a mile, you will come to 138 million miles. And when you take out your phone and do it and realize that I am right, not lying to you, you have to say, Amen. Oh yeah, you didn't do it yet. None of- <laughs> have you, how many of you believe that to be true? Wow. Well, what's harder to believe? What is harder to believe? That you could fold that piece of paper in half 50 times and then it would go to the sun and back. Or that the Son of God took on human form in the person of Jesus Christ and is the Savior of the world. What is harder to believe? What is harder to believe? We call that the incarnation. The Son of God taking on human form in the person of Jesus Christ. Fully God, fully human. But this is not the suspension of disbelief for the sake of enjoyment. We believe this because it's the promise of God, and it is for our joy. We're in the season of Advent, and Advent has three parts. We look back to remember the first coming of Jesus. We look forward and patiently wait for the second coming of Jesus. And we look at the present to say, has Jesus come into our hearts? And the promise of God I want us to remember this morning is that God has sent His Son into the world to be the Savior of the world. And this message is for all people everywhere at all times. This message is for all people everywhere and at all times. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Amen. This promise comes from Luke chapter 2, it's part of what is called the Christmas story. So I want to read it for you, Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. And if you do not have a Bible with you, we have always have Bibles on a table in the back there and feel free to take one of those if you don't have one um, with you or if you don't have a Bible, please take one. We want to make sure everyone has a Bible for themselves. And if you know of someone who would like to have a Bible, please take one and give it to them. We want to make sure everyone has the Word of God for themselves. So Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in this town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told as we hear this story we ask ourselves why shepherds why did God choose to reveal this good news to shepherds. Shepherds have the lowest standing in society, at least in biblical times. They had the lowest standing in society and their word was not accepted in court. Their word was not accepted in court. And although they took care of the animals that would be used in the temple for sacrifices, shepherds had the longest period of purification before they could enter the temple itself. The longest period of purification before they could enter the temple itself. But God chose to reveal to them, through the angels, this good news. And the angels go to them when they're in their work clothes. When they are out in the fields, when they are out working, that's where God chose to meet them. And they hear the good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That is the greatest news of all. And God chose to reveal it to shepherds. The angels didn't tell the shepherds, you need to get cleaned up before you hear this good news, or you need to go to a certain other place to hear this good news. No, the angels meet them right where they're at, in their work clothes, in their workplace. And tell them the good news. And so what do the shepherds do? Once they hear this good news, they say, let's go and see this thing which the Lord has revealed to us. It's interesting. They don't say there, let's go and see the thing that the angels revealed to us. They know that this message came from God. And so they respond to the angels' message by going and worshiping Jesus. And when we think of angels or we think of shepherds we often romanticize about them. When you think of pictures of a shepherd, it's usually a peaceful shepherd sitting in a nice green field, rolling hills with a bunch of nice behaving, well behaving sheep around them. That is not how shepherds were. They stunk. If you've ever been around sheep, you know they stink. Remember the story of David um, when Samuel goes to anoint one of Jesse's kids to be the king of Israel. Jesse is told, bring out your kids, bring out your sons. One of them is going to be the king of Israel. And Samuel comes to anoint them. And Jesse brings them out and he looks at all these kids. So Jesse brings out his good sons. They're the military sons. Well, the big strong sons has them all and he goes no not one of them don't you have any others and Jesse goes you can't mean David he's out in the field with the sheep he's a shepherd that's the low standing God wouldn't choose a shepherd would he but that's exactly who he chose And God had not told Mary that the shepherds were going to come. I wonder what, you know, what is she thinking? She's there with Mary, you know, Mary Joseph, the baby Jesus, and all of a sudden a group of shepherds come in, the lowest in society, to worship. And they tell Mary this amazing story. An angel came to us. Now Mary, of course, she's like, been there, done that. But Mary didn't get the choir. The shepherds get the choir. Why? This message goes out to the lowliest in society to show to us that God's love is for everyone. The shepherds didn't have to go into the temple courts. For them, the hardest thing for them to do was to go into the temple courts. They don't go into the temple courts to meet God. They go into the manger. They go to see Jesus God in human form. And everything is going to change because of Jesus. Now, the shepherds didn't receive this announcement because they were special. No, they were special because God chose to reveal this good news to them. All people are special to God. All people are special to God. And the angels say this as well. This will be good news to all people. Rich and poor. Male, female slave, free, Jew, Gentile. The good news is for all people at all time everywhere. And I thought about this because I'm a pastor. I am a professional religious leader. God did not share this good news with the professional religious leaders of his day. You remember the story. God shares this good news with shepherds through angels the religious leaders don't get that no magi from the east later on if you remember the story is recorded in matthew wise men we call or magi come from a foreign country they are not jewish they are not part of the children of god but god speaks to them and they come all the way from a foreign country they come to Jerusalem, And they say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east. How did God speak to them? Through the stars. Why? That was a language they understood. He spoke to them the language they understood. And so they come to Jerusalem, and they go to the religious leaders, and they say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Herod goes, I don't know. So he goes and gets the religious leaders and say. Where is the Messiah to be born? Where's the King of the Jews? And they say, the scriptures tell us Bethlehem and Judea. God spoke to the religious leaders through the scriptures. But they don't get angels. Joseph, God speaks to Joseph through a dream. God speaks to Mary through an angel as well. But the shepherds, they're the only ones to get angels and a choir. Why? I think God has a special place in his heart for shepherds. Or God has a special place in his heart for the lowest in society. He uses the lowly things of this world to humble the proud. And so how does God speak to us? Well, magi through stars, religious leaders through scripture, Mary through an angel, Joseph through a dream. And shepherds they get the angels and a choir and this announcement is for everyone everyone everywhere at all times the story goes on though and says that the glory of the Lord shone around them now this is a very specific thing this is like the cloud that was with the children of Israel leading them through the wilderness when they left Egypt to come into the promised land. It's called the Shekinah glory. It was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. And so all of a sudden, it says the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. The shepherds would know that God was present with them. Usually you had to go off to the temple in order to be in the presence of God. But now they know that God has chosen to be with them where they were at. The Shekinah glory was with them, and they are terrified. This is the same when you have the transfiguration, when, when Jesus goes up on the mountain and is transfigured. It says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. There was a cloud, God's presence with them. But now, the good news is that God is going to be present not in a cloud, but in a baby. And His name is Jesus. And this announcement is for all people everywhere at all times. And when we don't share this good news, when we don't share this good news with others, we really are negating the angel's message. When we don't share this good news, Because this good news is for everyone, everywhere, at all times. We negate the angel's message. And this message is the foundation of our joy. The Son of God taking on human form in the person of Jesus, the incarnation. This is the foundation for our joy. And so I want to talk a little bit about joy this morning. The New Testament word for joy speaks not only of the joy that arises because of our present possession of God's blessings in our life, but also what He promises will come in the future. And God's work in Jesus Christ is the foundation for Christian joy. This is much different than happiness. This isn't something you can achieve on yourself. It is something that you receive. And so the first thing I want to mention is, Christian joy results from from embracing divinely revealed truth. From embracing divinely revealed truth. It's not just that the angels told the shepherds this good news. They embraced it and they responded to it by going and worshipping Jesus. There was an embracing of divinely revealed truth. In 1 John 1, verse 4, it says, These things I write to you that your joy may be full. God wants us to have His joy. That no matter what our circumstances in life, we can have His joy. The second is, Christian joy results from confidence in our identity as God's children. This good news allows us to become part of the family of God. Now this is a little difficult for people to sometimes grasp today, but. Everyone is a creation of God, but everyone is not a child of God. Everyone is a creation of God, but not everyone is part of the family of God. This is from John John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it said, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. But the verses before that say this, starting in verse 9. The true light, meaning Jesus, the true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of a human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are welcomed into the family of God. There's no other way in except through Jesus. The third thing is, Christian joy results from witnessing God's majestic work. Isaiah the prophet um, 700 years before talked about how God was going to do miraculous things and the children of Israel would see it. The children of Israel were going to be exiled into foreign lands and God would bring them back again into the land. And he said, when you come back, you will see God's miraculous and majestic work in your midst. And you will rejoice. Because you'll know it's only through the work of God that these things are happening. Have you ever seen something in your life that you know has to be the work of God there is no other way other than it being the work of God when that happens we rejoice we rejoice the shepherds get to see the majestic work of God when we see Jesus in our midst that is the majestic work of God and that is a Christian joy results from that The fourth is, Christian joy results from seeing the fulfillment of God's promises. The birth of Jesus was the culmination of hundreds of years of expectant waiting for the prophecies of God to be fulfilled. The birth itself had been prophesied centuries before. But Jesus would also go on and say, it is not only his birth, but his life, his death, and his resurrection that would fulfill prophecy. And he would tell his disciples that all the time, how he would be fulfilling prophecy. In John chapter 16, he was talking to his disciples about how he was going to die and then be resurrected. And he said these words Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Talking about when he would be resurrected. No one would be able to take away their joy. Why? Because God gives it to us as a gift. We don't earn it. It's not related to our circumstances. It's something that we receive from God. And no one can take away your joy because it's based on the promises of God. It doesn't depend on you. It depends on God. The fifth thing is, Christian joy results from our possessing or even from our anticipating possessing the things of infinite value that are ours because of our union with Jesus Christ. We have eternal life as a gift from God because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. In John chapter 20 verse 30 it says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Eternal life, something we possess for here and for all eternity. The Apostle Paul wrote about this in Ephesians chapter 1. He said these words, In Jesus, this is Ephesians 1 verse 11, In Jesus we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of His will When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, God gives us the Holy Spirit and God dwells with you each and every moment of your life. That isn't something you earn. It's a gift we receive because of our relationship with Jesus. And then the last thing. Christian joy is a companion of faith. You see, happiness depends on your circumstances. Joy Is something you can have in spite of your circumstances. Happiness is something that can be achieved, but joy is something that must be received. Joy depends on its source and its source is Jesus Christ. And therefore you can't really have true joy until you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But once you have accepted Jesus, no one can steal your joy. I want to end with the words from Kay Warren in her book called Choose Joy Because Happiness Isn't Enough. And when I first read this, I really didn't like it. I want happiness. I mean, if if we have a choice, I'm going for happiness all my life. But that's not how it happens. And the more I've read this, that she's written the more I realize it's true in my life. And so what she said was this. We tend to think that life comes in hills and valleys, but in reality, it's much more like train tracks. Every day of your life, wonderful, good things happen that bring pleasure and contentment and beauty to you. At the exact same time, painful things happen to you or those you love that disappoint you, hurt you, and fill you with sorrow. These two tracks, both joy and sorrow, run parallel to each other every single moment of your life. And that's why when you're in the midst of an amazing experience, you have a nagging realization that things are not perfect. And while you're experiencing something painful, there's a glorious realization that there is still beauty and loveliness to be found. They're inseparable. And if you look down the train tracks into the brightness of the horizon, the train tracks become one. You can't distinguish them as two separate tracks. And that's how it will be for us too. One day our parallel tracks of joy and sorrow will merge into one, the day we meet Jesus Christ in person and see the brightness of who He is. It will all come together for us. Then it will all make complete sense. So choose joy because happiness isn't enough. Amen and amen. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to know of your love for us. What a privilege it is to know of the good news that the angels said so long ago that unto us is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And Heavenly Father, help us who have received this good news to share it with the world around. For Lord, there are so many people who need to know of your love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and transforming power in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, help us to be agents of your love even this week. For those who are hurting, to help. And those who are broken, to point them to Jesus. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory. For we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.